where the chickens have been pecking. Come on. Have you ever been on a farm? You ever been out in the country? Have you ever had chickens? One of them gets a, a sore. One of them pecks another one on the head and blood comes. All the rest of them are going to start pecking on that same sore. And that chicken will never get over. That chicken will die for the lack of blood in its system because the other chickens kept pecking on it. You are not designed to be around chickens. You are designed to fly with the eagles. Get away from the turkeys. You eat that for dinner. All right, let's go. Let's move on. Okay. For my time's out. Let's go into Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43. Everybody there with me? Did I tell you it's good to see you this morning? It's good to see you today. And you're looking mighty good. For I am the Lord your God, verse 3, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Deliverer. How many of you know He's your Deliverer? Anybody believe He's your Deliverer? Amen? How many of you standing on it, He's your Deliverer? When I've done all to stand, when I've done all to stand, I'm going to stand. He's my Deliverer. Amen? It goes on and says, I have handed over Egypt as a ransom price, Ethiopia, Seba, in the place of you. In other words, I've paid a price for you since you are precious and special in my sight. Look at your neighbor and say, did you hear what he said about me? I am precious in God's sight and he loves me. Since you are precious and special in my sight and I love you, I will hand over people in place of you. Who was handed over for you? Jesus Christ. A man was given. He died on the cross for every one of us. Come on now. He's been given given for you. That's how much God loves you. God loves you that he gave his only begotten son for you. So get over your pity party and get to a place that you know that you are a child of the most high God. Somebody say, I'm a child of God. Not from a religious point now, not from a religious point, but from an understanding, I'm a child of God. Now say it, I'm a child of God. All right. Now I want you to go to Psalms 91. Psalms 91. This is what we, if you don't know Psalm 91, you need to get to know it. You need to get familiar with it. You need to print it out, put it on your doorpost. Amen. Put it in your wallet, put it in your purse, put it on your car, put it on your mirror where you go shave or brush your teeth. Put it in a place where that nobody can steal it from you. Get it in your heart, get it in your mind, get it into your understanding and know what God says about you. As for you, the one who lives the shelter of the sovereign one and resides in the, in the protective shadow of the mighty king. How many of you preside in the protective shadow of the mighty king? I say this about the Lord, my shelter and my stronghold, my God in whom I trust. Anybody trust in the Lord in here today? Come on, do you trust your marriage to the Lord? Do you trust your children to the Lord? Do you trust your job, your education? Do you trust your life to the Lord? Can I hear somebody shout in here and say, I do. I do. I do. You got to get married to him. Amen. Verse three. 
He will certainly rescue you from the snare of the hunter and from the destructive plague. What? <laughs> he will deliver you. He would, he would certainly rescue you from the snare of the hunter and from the destructive plague. Man, have we had a year. Come on. He's going he's gonna to rescue us. Amen. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go through problems, not going to go through situations, not going to go through issues. But here again, I say, go through we're not staying in. You choose whether you're going to stay in or not. You choose where you walk. God can say one thing, but you can choose not to get there. He will shelter you with his wings. You will find safety under his wing. His faithfulness is like a shield or a protective wall. You need not fear the terror of night or the arrows fly by day, the plague that comes in the darkness or the disease that comes at noon. Though a thousand may fall by your side, a multitude on your right side, to, it, will, it will not reach you. If I turn over to the King James and read that same verse there, verse 7, it, it says it this way. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. It's not for you to execute judgment on the wicked. Hear me. It's not for us to execute judgment. It's for God to do that. Let God do his, what he does. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee. Do you know how to release the angels that are, have been uh, uh, assigned to you? Let me, tell you? let me tell you how to do it. Come into agreement with God's word. Because they're going to only going to execute what God has said. But they've been assigned to you to execute what you come into agreement in his word. Just a little nugget there. Okay. But he shall give charge over thee, uh, keep thee in all ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon. Uh, shalt thou trample under thy feet? I was reading something last night. It was very powerful, very strong from Watchman Nee. If you, don't, if you, if you read anything of Watchman Nee, read Spiritual Authority or Spiritual Man. Those two books are the greatest that I've ever, I've ever read. And in his book of spiritual authority, he says, no one needs to be in charge of a lion because it is in him to be the beast. When God is in you, you become his power in the earth. You become his word in the earth. 
Come on now. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him and I will be him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him with long life. Will I satisfy him and show him my salvation with long life? I will. If you look at the word, look at the right there. I'm going to live long. And I'm declaring that. Lord, this is what your word says. As long as I come into your order, into your plan, into your purpose, and I love and honor you. You know, interesting thing. Two things will be said going into eternity. One will be, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we all want to hear. This is the judgment of Christ, okay? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Or... He will say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Here's a question for you. A statement first. The other day we got a phone call from some ministers that were invited to go to a church. And the minister says, do you know these people? Bev looked at me. She says, Do you, have you heard of these people? I said, no, I don't, I don't think I know them. So she got back on the phone. She says, uh, we, haven't, we don't know them. Well, they said they know y'all. Well, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't. I don't know them. And the comment was, it came back to us. Oh, well, we know this type. And what was taking place was people were taking names to get favor with people because they know we have a relationship with this individual. And so they said, we know the Bilbo, we're good friends with the Bilbo's. I don't know them It's turkey. If Job even has a turkey. So you might know who God is by reading, by hearing, teaching or preaching. But here's the question, does he know you? And this is where believers, we need to come into alignment. He knows us, that he's in us and we're in him. So on that day, on that day, when we stand before him, he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. I never knew you. Look, you can prophesy because the word says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance and be living like the devil. So I'm not impressed with somebody's prophecy. I'm not impressed with somebody's word of knowledge. I'm not impressed with somebody's word of wisdom. I'm, not, I'm just not impressed. I've been around this thing long enough to know that people can be living in sin. People can get in the pulpit and be, be in the middle of affairs. And, and, and get up and the gifts kick in. And people say, oh, what a mighty man of God. No. It was the gifts in operation. And so what happens in this, the word begins to talk about it, that there will be people that will begin to enter in and find silly women. Silly women. We can go to the scripture and read it to you. And they say they will be laden with deception because they're nice people. But they're so nice. Yeah, very nice. They're going to rob you of everything you got. They will prophesy to make you think they're holy, but they're wolves in sheep's clothing. You got to wake up. I'm talking to church. 
Look, we're in a season in this world right now that there has to be order in the house of God. There, there is a covering that God has given to each and every one of us that there has to be order. And if we get out from under the order, we now become open game for the enemy to bring deception. Am I making sense? And that deception can derail you and cause you to because once you wake up in the midst of the deception, now you become resentful and unforgiveness comes into your heart because somebody should have done something because you're too stinking lazy to do something for yourself and search the word yourself. So you want Mary to come in and pray you through. I'm going to get down here where we live. This is a precious woman right here. Precious woman that understands the word of God and prophesies, sees and understands. Let me tell you something. If you don't know the word of God, then your prophetic word is invalid. Because it's the word of God that gives you direction on how to prophesy and how to deliver a word. Am I making sense? So you have to study the word of God. And if you're not studying the word, deception is lying at the door. The word says sin is lying at the door. Am I making sense? So people will lean on this lady here for her to pray them through. It's not her job to pray you through. It's your job to get off your butt and pray yourself through. Now, come on now. So we need to learn how to pray and not just sit in church. Well, bless the Lord. Come on. I've been in this thing long enough. I've seen it from both sides. I've seen it from the pew side and I've seen it from the pastoring side where people are almost brain dead sitting in a service year after year after year and you see no change in their life. And that's the craziest thing, is they want you to develop a platform for them to preach at. We were on Academy Drive, and I had a, a, a person that come to me, and they wanted to come and teach a, a Bible study. So I gave him a Bible study, and then he got mad at me because the people wasn't coming. It's my, not my job to fill the house for you. I have a heart enough filling it for me. But got mad at me because people wasn't coming. And then I started asking people, I said, what is he teaching? Yeah. This is back in Y2K. Everybody remember Y2K? Everything was going to hell in a handbasket, just like it is right now. Everything going to hell in a handbasket. Put your mask on, get your shot, do all your stuff, you know, crawl under the table, stay behind the bars, go, don't open your door, don't go anywhere. When the whole thing is that we, we, we're in Scripture... Right in the dividing of the Red Sea. And now we're at the place that the Red Sea is about to collapse. And it's about to devour the Pharaohs that have been dictating to God's people. Come on. I'm just saying what the Word of God says. And it's interesting. It's interesting. And I'll, I'll go out and say this. That I believe that we're on the verge of the greatest revival that could be, could be, could be the end time revival. So we need to get some things in order and get it straight. So I'll, <laughs> I, I, 
When I get in this area, when I get in this area, I can hear people's thoughts. And then I get dangerous. Because then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bow up against those things that are coming against what God's saying. But, but as precious as this woman is, and as much as she wants to pray and intercede for you, there's something you got to do on your own. Come on. Sister Mary, give me... Sister Mary, it sounds almost funny, don't it? Give me your phone number so I can call you just any time that I need prayer. And you go live like the devil. You're cussing everybody out. You're running people off of the road. You're not treating your kids right. You're not treating your spouse right. You're doing all... And then all of a sudden, hell breaks loose in your life and you're saying, oh, I need a miracle. It might be that you're reaping what you sowed. And now you want her to bail you out. She's not there to bail you out. She's there to teach you how to pray on your own where you can enter into the realms of the spirit and get the portals of heaven open so that you can have an open heaven over your life. She's got an open heaven over her life. She's trying to teach you how to get to where she is. Am I making sense? Look. My kids, Josh and Bethany, they're not raising boys. Hear me. They're not raising boys. They're, they're already, a, we got one boy, we got one in the oven right now. They're not raising boys. They're raising kings. And you don't talk to kings the way you talk to boys. When David was anointed to be king, the word tells us that he conducted himself as a king. He was a shepherd boy, but he was king. God saw him as king and talked to him as he was king, even though he was tending sheep. My son, he's been saying for a long time with his boys, I'm not raising boys, I'm, I'm raising men. Raising kings, raising men. You know what the problem is? We've been raising boys and now we've got weak, weak men or boys that should be men, and they're still dealing with child strongholds in their life, and they haven't become a man to be what they need to be in their families. In the next couple of months, I'm going to start having some men's meeting. We're going to have some breakfast on Saturday or sometime when we can get the majority of the men there. And we're going to deal with some stuff. And I'm going to talk to you as kings. Because if I don't talk to people as kings, they'll never aspire to get to that place. I was watching on TV some pole vault people. You know what pole vault? I don't know what they call them, but anyway. They have that long pole and they're running. And that stick that they've got is flopping like this as they're going. And then all of a sudden they get serious. And that thing goes into a chute. And now that thing, that stick that they were holding has now bent over like a fishing pole and you're waiting for it to snap. This is where many people are in the believer's life right now is they're waiting for that stick to snap. But then all of a sudden, if you trust in what you have practiced, that stick is going to pull vault you over the bar that has been raised to the next level. Hear, hear me. We're going to start raising the bar 
in this place. And pole vaulters are going to trust in the word and they're going over the next level into a higher place. And they're going to practice it, practice it, practice it, practice it until they have to raise the bar to the next place because that level has become common to them now and they need to be stretched to the next place. So the word's about to get deep in here. And some people say, I can't follow that because it's so deep already. Lace up your boots. It's time to start marching. We're going to conquer some devils. And we're going to take back territory that's been stolen. We're going we're to pull our family out of the burning embers of hell and bring them into the gates of heaven. And when they get in there, they're going to rejoice because of what you've done. But if you don't do it, there's no rejoicing. And you can't, you can't rely on people and you can't rely on the church to raise your children. You have to raise your children yourself. Look, I was a youth pastor for many years and people would come to us and say, fix him, fix him, fix him. So fix what? You want me in 30 minutes to fix something that you destroyed in 14 years? Because have you changed any? Because what I do is going to counteract what you're doing. And if you're not living it at home, it's going to counteract what I'm doing. Am I making sense? Or am I just ranting? Maybe I'm ranting. But here's the deal. We're going to cause our faith to grow. And there's going to be a day that you're going to have an opportunity to walk into that room. And the word commands us. It commands us and says, lay hands on them and they shall recover. John chapter 3 says, we have heard the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We have seen the word. You see the miracles. You get around people that are operating in that dimension. I'm going to tell you, the prayer time that they're having here, you need to get involved. You need to be here. You need to get involved in prayer. And you need to pray with your eyes open so you can see what's going on so that you know how to pray when you're in that situation or, or, or be able to fight the devil for yourself. We hear the word. We see the word to get to the place where we handle it with our hands. Handling it with, the, with your hand. We have heard the word, we have seen the word, and now we have handled it with our hands. What it's saying is, when the opportunity comes, you have the power and the knowledge and the understanding to lay hands on them and they shall recover. It's not you, but it's God working through you as an instrument to deliver those that have died in their own bed. Arise, arise, arise. So if this is where you're at, and I got cloth coming all over me here. I'm good, I'm good, thank you. If this has touched your heart, say, you know what? I'm ready to go to battle. I'm ready to start fighting. I'm ready for God to do some things in my life. I'm tired of sitting back and not seeing things happen. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the place where my miracle is. I'm going to move the critics out of the way. Critics, you got to go. You, critics will mess with your marriage. Critics will mess with your family. Critics will mess with your job. Critics will mess it with your destiny. If they mess with your destiny, you will live life unfulfilled. Knowing what could have been, 
but allowed other people to prevent you from going to where you should be. I don't know about you, but that gets me fighting mad. Yes. Yes. I, I, my grandson, my oldest grandson, he's about to start playing football. He, junior varsity starting. He's great. He's bigger than some of the eighth graders that are, or seventh graders that are in there. And uh, he's not going to play, but he's going to learn how to play. He's going to learn the game. He's going to learn the principles. He's going to learn the strategies. That's all he's going to learn. That's all. And the coach told him, you're not going to play in any games. But we're just going to teach you. So I sat down with him yesterday. I said, baby, I heard you starting football. He said, Pops, it's the, it's the best thing I've ever done. Everything to him is the best thing I've ever done. Every meal, this is the best meal I've ever eaten. You're the best grandparent. And I'm telling his other brand. You're the best grandparents I had. And I'm thinking, hey, you just told me that. No jealousy here. Everything's the best thing. It's the best thing I've ever done, Pops. I mean, such a positive kid, okay? And so I sat him down and I said, and I drew a line on the page and I put a line like a cross. And I wrote his name, Maddox. And then I wrote his name on the other side. And I said, this is Maddox, a loving, tender-hearted, sweet, compassionate ch kid that everybody loves. When we get on the other side when we're playing football, <laughs> Maddox now becomes Mad Ox. <laughs> Come on. And I emphasize that. I said, you're Maddox right now. But when you get on that field and you put that uniform on, you got to be mad ox, mad ox. And I'll put on there a crusher, a killer. And I'm laying it out. Mad ox, mad ox, mad ox. You know, that's where we are, you know. And he's like, man, I love it. I love it. It's the best day of my life. But the word says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness. The flesh and blood of other people is not your problem. It's the spirits that drive in that flesh and blood to do what they're doing. So you've got to change your focus. It's not the people. It's the spirit. And until you understand that, you're going to engage in a battle with people and never win the battle because the spirit is laughing at you. But the moment that you wake up and you become from Maddox, sweet, tender, loving Christian that can love everybody in spite of their lifestyles, in spite of the piercings and the tattoos, that doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. Come on. It shouldn't matter if they're a prostitute, homosexual, whatever. It doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It's the spirit that's behind it where I have a problem. So I can love the person and I do warfare in the spirit and go right around them to destroy that thing, to get it off of their back so they can come to the mindset, I need Christ in my life. Come on now. There's an agenda that's taking place in our world today that's caused such confusion. You're just too old. No, no. Uh, read Romans chapter one. You understand where I'm coming from. Now, is my problem with the person 
or is my problem with the spirit that's driving the people? My problem is with the spirit. So I have to deal in the realms of the spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and according to the word of God and in truth. So I take the truth and I now enter into the realms of the spirit and I begin to engage in a warfare that sets people free. But if you're walking around bound and thinking you're counseling even in your boundness and they see your boundness, they're not accepting your word. And they're not going to buy into your confusion. Does that make sense? So as a body of Christ, we've got to grow up. We've got to get in order. And we've got to take our position. Amen? And if you want joy in your life, then let gratefulness. Man, what a message. Incredible message, Fruity. Let gratefulness come into your life. If you got a problem with cussing, Start praying in the Holy Ghost because it's sure hard to curse when you're praying in the Holy Spirit. It's hard to be sad when you're grateful. So how do I fight this battle? I change the way I think. I change the way I speak. Football season's coming up. Any Saints fans in here? Any LSU fans in here? Josh on the back row. I mean, that's LSU diehard right there. <clears throat> if we would take as much time praying as we do researching the players that the Saints is pulling on, or, or take anything. If you spend as much time in prayer as you do anything else that is your favorite thing. You know, you know people are watching, what's, what's this crazy program? Housewives of Atlanta, California. And then people are trying to model themselves like that. And I'm saying, if you would spend as much time praying as you do watching that film and that junk, God might speak to you and give you a breakthrough. So we have to increase, increase our desire to be in the presence of God. Am I making sense? Come on. So today, let's rescue, let's rescue our family. Let's rescue our minds. Let's rescue everything that's within us. I'm talking about our, our families. I, I have to fight not with her, I have to fight for her in my marriage. She has to fight for me in my marriage. And if we come out with wielding swords, and, and I'm telling you, both of us can wield swords. This girl, she can shoot, shoot a 44 Magnum better than I can shoot one. We can wield the swords. But when my children start me wield the swords, what, what is that setting precedent for them in their life? They're going to learn how to pull a sword out. They're going to learn how to... Yep. 
We need to teach them that love is greater than fighting. And you can work out anything if you set your mind to it. But if you're stubborn in your mind, you're not going to work it out. Because all you're trying to do is make your point. Come on. Let me tell you, let me tell you real quick about us. I'm, I'm going to hush with this. Bev is the kind of person, I'm going to deal with it now. We need to get this thing over with. I need time to cool off. And I'm a hothead. Used to be a hothead. I can still be a hothead if I don't keep it under control. I can. I can say some things, you know, blink an eye. I can cut somebody off and never talk to them ever again. That's just how I'm, I'm built. I was built that way. Not by God, but St. Bernard Parish did that to me. <laughs> You cut in line in front of me and Rocky and Carlos. This is what I had to learn. In our marriage, we, we got into it. But I'm telling you, fur was flying everywhere. And I walked outside. I got in my truck. And I just sat in my truck, cooled down, because I knew if there was one more button pushed, that was the atomic bomb. And I'm the only one that had the code for it, but she knew where the button was. <laughs> and so I, I, I kind of slid down in my seat thinking I'm hidden. You know, this is an early part of our marriage. Yeah, and we learned some things. And next thing I know, Jake, I'm hearing this on the window of my truck. And I'm looking and she got, she got her hands on her hips like this, you know. And she said, we need to talk. We need to. I ain't got nothing to say. Nothing to say. I'm, I'm telling you, this is. Because if I get out of this truck, we're going to have problems. You know? And my hand is getting closer to the lever. So. Go take care of the kids right now. I'll watch the dogs. You watch the kids. And we learn very quickly that if our marriage is going to survive, whether I'm right, whether I'm wrong, that sword's got to be put away. My sword is not for her. Her sword is not for me. Our sword is for what's coming in trying to destroy what we have here. And when we start standing back to back, there's nothing, nothing that can stop us. And so the only time we pull our swords out, and look, I can be right sometime. More than likely, she's right most of the time. Am I right? Look at that humble, humble pie right there. That's what I love about it. She's humble, you know? Look, it doesn't matter who's right, who's wrong. What matters is your marriage, your family. That's the important thing. Because the devil's really not concerned about you. He's concerned about your seed. We talk about generational curses. This is how generational curses are spread by the demonstration of what's in your heart. Yes, that's good. And when you demonstrate that, they actually pick it up. But the sad thing is, they're going to be better at it than you are. Look, look, look. I can go get Bo right now and pull my iPad out and automatically he starts surfing through, surfing through. And before I can even figure out what he's doing, he's at the place he needs to be and he can change things on my iPad where I can never find it. 
Nobody taught him to do that. It was, he was born with that. I like pencil and piece of paper. I can't read my writing, but I still write on it. It's coming to a place that this generation is excelling far beyond anything that we could ever imagine. But what they're also going to do is they're going to take your strongholds and they're going to carry it into their marriage, carry it into their family, and they're going to repeat it and they're going to be better at it than you ever thought you could be. So I don't know what this message is called. If it's marriage 101, if it's faith, I started off in faith and you title it how you want to title it. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not much on titles to start off with. <clears throat> I know what I am and I know who I am. That's all that really matters. You need to know who you are and what you are. And you don't need somebody to tell you what you are, who you are. Amen. <clears throat> if this message has touched your life anywhere in its delivery. And you say, I need change in my life. And I'm ready to go to battle for my family. I'm ready to go to battle for what God has for me. I'm ready to go to battle for my destiny. Stand to your feet this morning. And let's begin to do some war.